Hey guys, thanks for joining us for episode seven of the Reserve Team Podcast. We have a, a good episode coming for you today. We have our very special guest, Drake DeWitt. Let's just go ahead and get straight into the interview. All right, hey guys, we're here with our former teammate, Drake DeWitt. Um, he went to PFW for a little bit, transferred to Manchester, and is now working on his uh, graduate degree in physical therapy. Um, Drake, how are we doing today? Good, how about you guys? Doing great. Thanks for, thanks for joining the pod today. Yeah, glad, glad to be on with the boys, get some sports talk in. Exactly, that's what we're here for. So obviously, um, soccer has played a large part in, in your life thus far, and, and I assume into the future. How did you start in soccer and kind of what got you into soccer? Yeah, so for me, I mean, starts with just kind of your local grassroots soccer, nothing too, too special at the start, just local YMCA uh older brother was involved so just kind of one of those sports I think it's easy and it's accessible to get into so <clears throat> just kind of started with that um from there I had a coach that was a little bit connected in the ranks like in Fort Wayne and he was like it looks like you're doing well here quite kind of quickly realized I was outgrowing that scene a little bit so he was Tell my parents, like, there's some leagues and stuff that you can look into. So quickly, like, even from elementary age, I started playing in Fort Wayne with some kids, you know, just from bigger city, uh, more experience, better training and stuff there. So that was the start of that. And then went into travel soccer with a kid that I kind of knew through, actually through running. It was just something that I did, like, as a kid to stay active, I would like run and stuff. And this kid's dad started a team, asked me if I want to try out. So that's kind of where my start to club and travel soccer started. So basically just tried it out, started liking it, moved up the ranks until I got to the point where I was kind of traveling and things and stuck with that team all the way throughout high school. So. And were you thinking about like in high school about playing college or did that kind of just was, was that in the back of your mind and something that you wanted to do or did that kind of just spring up as an opportunity later on in high school? Yeah, so I think probably until middle school, I didn't have the thought. I think when I started transitioning into high school, that was kind of when the seed was planted. So I'd say definitely by the time I was like a sophomore, I knew for sure that it was something I wanted to do. I was a two-sport athlete for a while. When By the time I got to high school, that was when I wanted to play soccer year round I just kind of got burnt out but soccer was still the sport that I loved the most so I just stuck with that and kind of put like a year-round effort into it so I'd say definitely by the time I was in high school I knew for sure that it was something I wanted to do in college yeah um so kind of as high school got going for you that's kind of when the recruiting process typically starts can you kind of walk us through like your recruitment <clears throat> process and kind of how that went for you yeah so a lot of my recruitment came from club soccer, which I kind of talked about getting into like the Fort Wayne area because there's really no opportunity for that in just small town Columbia City where I'm from. Um, but yeah, basically recruiting for me and I think soccer in general, it's kind of important to keep in mind is that a lot of it is you going to the school I think it's hard in soccer specifically. I mean, unless you're a top, top recruit in the nation, it's hard to get a lot of schools to notice you. So I think that's something to consider and keep in mind as you are in high school. It's not necessarily always going to be like the movies or it's not going to be that glorious story where 
you get a bunch of coaches coming up to you after the game and stuff. So my very first like introduction to recruiting was just me signing up for a couple ID camps, going, paying the fees and playing in front of as many coaches as I could just to gauge interest in things. It started mostly local, just schools in Fort Wayne. And then um, I went to a couple of schools in Indy and that's where it mostly began. I started that pretty early. I'd probably say like sophomore year was when I started those. Um, I probably wasn't ready or yeah, basically just ready in general to perform at the collegiate level at that time. So I got basically some no's or some like feedback that wasn't what I wanted to hear necessarily. Like there was just times where it was like, yeah, like you're probably going D3 at best, things like that from, <clears throat> I went to like the University of Indianapolis, D2 school, wanted to play there because they had programs I wanted and things like that, but it just wasn't really the right fit at the time that I went. Um, and then college showcases were another big opportunity to get noticed, obviously. And like I said, I think you're more likely to get noticed from like an ID camp where you're actually going to the school. However, like my junior year going into senior year was when I got a lot better. So the senior year showcases were big for me. Um, by that time, I had already been to enough ID camps that I had a couple of schools that I was interested in and that I had offers from. And yeah, it was just, that's basically my two main points of where I got interest from was either me seeking out a school emails didn't really work unfortunately I know they say like try to email the school but it was either showing up playing in front of the coach I think that's the best thing you can do for yourself and then obviously there's the off chance that in the showcase you might gain some interest so yeah I feel like it's really tough you mentioned at the beginning of that how it's really tough for soccer players to like get noticed and get into it and especially because there's so many different options now for people to go like you know, if you're really high level, you can go overseas or play an academy team, or maybe now you want to, you know, just different colleges to play for. And I think that's really tough. Um, do you think that there's, when you were looking at places of play, were there any factors that like maybe you considered at the time, but you wish you would have looked into more or like, what, what, were, what was your mindset when you're trying to pick a school then? Yeah. So for me, there was definitely a couple of things. Like I knew that degree was going to be important. Um, I wanted to go to physical therapy school. So that was another thing that I kind of decided early on. So it kind of was like in line with my soccer process was like also make sure that that is at the school. So I paid attention to that, of course. So a lot of the schools that I first reached out to, I wanted to make sure that they had either like a physical therapy program so that I knew that the undergrad was going to be equipped to put me on to that next level or that they had the means of like other degree tracks that could help me get there. So obviously academics was one. And then level of play was one. Um, I think everybody wants to play at the highest level they can. And that's certainly how I was like as a competitor. I think I just naturally wanted to seek the highest level. So I looked at a variety of schools, the variety of levels, and I wish I wouldn't have paid as much attention to levels. So I think like my answer is kind of opposite to your question. Whereas there's not necessarily something I wish I would have paid closer attention to, but something I would have paid lesser attention to. Gotcha. So after becoming the greatest player to ever grace Columbia City's um, field and, and playing all 11 positions, I believe, during your, your time as an Eagle, um, you ended up at IPFW. 
um, as, as a walk-on to their program. Can you kind of talk to us about your, your experience there as a walk-on that's kind of different than maybe some people are kind of used to or kind of know? Yeah, so kind of got to take the answers that I gave previously into some context here because I guess we haven't really discussed that yet. But yeah, so basically um, it goes back to what I said about how to get recruited in soccer. I definitely would recommend like playing club if you have the means. I think that's the best way to get involved. So that was like big for me. A lot of your coaching staff is going to be related to a lot of college coaches. They're going to know those connections or they're going to be a coach themselves. And that'll play into like where I ended up. But at first, basically, I was playing on a team, um, consistently performing pretty well. And I knew a lot of other guys in the area that I played with in the past that were kind of getting looks from PFW specifically, and then also like some other pretty decent schools. So I wanted to try to get my name in the mix of that. So I just asked my club coach, like, hey, do you have any connections to PFW? And that was another thing I want to say local, um, just save money living at home, because I knew I did want to go to physical therapy school. And I knew that I would probably have to pay for housing later for that. But so yeah, basically, I had a club coach that was good friends with the PFW coach, he reached out, he said, Hey, I've got a player I think you'd be interested in you mind taking a look at him or having him for a visit or whatever. So they hadn't done an ID camp to my knowledge before. And I, it was like the first year they were doing it. I made sure I jumped in on it. And after that camp, he like pulled me aside and he was like, our roster spots are, or our scholarship spots are full. He was like, I can offer you a spot on the team. Essentially you'd be, what they call a preferred walk-on or like a preferred recruit. So what it is, it means like you did have contact with the coach. You were like on their list and on their radar, but you won't get any scholarship money. So it's, you still kind of sign like a little thing, just basically an offer of admission. Um, so it's a little different than kind of just showing up at school and going to a tryout or something. But so it kind of like, you know, that you'll have a spot and then got there and obviously just kind of started the preseason camp and it all kind of transpired from there, but that's the basis of how I ended up there. And then what were some of the, I guess, like positives of being there and then some of the challenges? Yeah. So it was definitely a really cool experience. A lot of positives to take away from it. Um, it was a short time, but it's really, really cool to just be in that locker room with so many talented players. I think it's, it's easy to be one of the better players at your high school or even on your club team. But when you get into a situation like that, these guys are the absolute best statewide level or some of the kids are, you know, some of the best in the country that you might end up with or kids from international, you know, other foreign countries that are in there. So that was really cool. Just connecting with people from a variety of different countries and just kind of seeing their journey you know because for me it was I was still local I had kind of come up through like I talked about like grassroots and through our local clubs and stuff and ended up you know at a local school but these kids are coming from overseas and you know giving up a lot to be there so that was kind of cool just to see that and then just always being pushed like every day was a challenge there was never a day where it wasn't something new to be learned because those guys are so talented and, you know, they just offer you a lot as like a young player to be able to learn and, and see kind of what makes you 
prepared for the next level. Um, so that was pretty cool. A lot of added like benefits in terms of like gear packages, facilities, things like that. So that's like another one of those things that you would, you don't always get every level. Like for example, we had three different training kits that were provided. We had, I think three jerseys, you get like six pairs of socks, two, you get a pair of like running shoes, you get a pair of cleats, you get sweatshirt, a parka, it was, I mean, it was just everything that you could need was basically provided to you. So that was pretty neat as well, just to have that. And then our facilities were great. We had multiple grass fields that were very well kept, uh, always groomed well. So I think those were kind of the, the main points. The difficulty, it's kind of like I said, where, you know, it's easier to be that top guy at a high school level or even at your club level, but it's kind of a shell shock if you haven't been a player that's had to grind it out for a position before or you've haven't had to sit behind a guy for a year or maybe even two years so that was kind of new to me and that was something that I did overlook as well going back to that question of what are the things you would have looked at closer definitely looked at kind of the quality of guys before you that you're going to have to you know fight for the job with and just kind of know their qualities and what the coaches are looking for there because that was new to me so Basically after preseason camp, I got called into the office and they were just like, essentially like, don't see you playing much, at least in the first year. Would you like to redshirt, essentially keep an extra year of eligibility or on the off chance that you can get in here and there, would you prefer to do that? So talked to some people and just decided like, probably redshirting is my best choice just to keep that year of eligibility. Cause like I said, I don't think I would have played much if at all. So I went that route and that was just, that was hard because suddenly a lot of that competition aspect was taken away because it was just like training every day, but you knew that you wouldn't play in the games. So I think that was kind of a difficulty and that I think ultimately is kind of what was like, all right, this probably isn't right for me. So. So you kind of talked about that difficulty of not being able to play in competitions. Were there some things that you you know, learned about yourself during, during that time or, or ways that you coped with that to, to help you, you know, stay focused and locked in during practice and that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's just, it's hard kind of being removed from it now. And like, obviously I left, so it wasn't maybe like I didn't grind it out as much as I should have. Um, I think it's all just about just your willingness to kind of keeping that grind despite not playing because I think that is kind of what I realized for myself is like I do truly enjoy training like I being removed from college athletics now like I would it's not just playing that I miss like I do miss going out and like the daily grind of trying to be better trying to always be sharp and be fit and things so I definitely it's not to say that I didn't enjoy training but definitely like you learn that playing is a big part of like your motivation to prepare so I just quickly realized that like that was difficult and ultimately like it can make you lose your love for the game a little bit. And I think I was getting to that point as well to where it was just hard to be motivated knowing that you're not playing each week. And like the other thing too is obviously as like a redshirt, you're not going to travel because I mean, it just doesn't really make sense to bring a player that won't play. Like it's just not economical. It doesn't make sense. So 
a lot of guys like had really cool opportunities to travel. We had some teams, like we had a team in Colorado, there were teams, uh, we played like a preseason tournament in Texas and like things like that. So like those guys are getting class off, they're traveling and like you're stuck at home and then they get back and they're talking about like their experiences and how the games went and you're like training. And so it can just be kind of difficult. So that's like one of those things you need to consider before you make that, you know, decision to go to a school where you are going to sit for a little bit. And if you want to, and then you're willing to kind of face that adversity, I guess. And then at what point did you think, okay, maybe I want to try somewhere else or go to a different spot, I guess, different, uh, different college. Yeah. So like I said, um, the redshirt year was like, just kind of difficult to take because I realized like, okay, I don't really think that I am necessarily ready for this level, like right now. And I had seen certain kids that were like in the program for a while and they still weren't getting like a ton of consistent minutes. And I just had to make that decision in my head. Like, what am I going to look like in three years? Like, am I going to be at the level of this player that's getting 15 minutes a game or am I good enough to be these guys that are starting? And I always like to think that if I would have stayed, I definitely could have gotten on the field. Like I think that I could have played at least a little bit. I don't think that I would have probably started a whole lot or played super consistent minutes. And I think that was where I was like, I'd rather get consistent minutes and be more of like a influential player in the team and definitely just like be competing for, you know, like conference awards and things like that. Cause that's what I was used to coming from a small town um, and then, you know, playing for my club team and stuff. So I think it's, kind of what you're used to. Like I said, if you're, if you went to a pretty big high school and you played JV for two, three years and you got, you know, you grinded out for that varsity spot and you are willing to do that, then I think some of those higher end programs are great for you. But if you're used to being like pretty good and you don't necessarily think you want to go with that playing time that you got to consider that as well. But then obviously there's the kids that are sick and you can play as a freshman at D1 school. I saw it, you know, like kids I knew were starting and it happens all the time so it's just you have to self-reflect you have to know if you're ready for it um but yeah that, I mean those are my biggest takeaways in that regard I think yeah so after you kind of went through this whole process of deciding that you know IPFW wasn't the the place for you what what drew you to Manchester how did how did you end up there and why why did you see that as a good fit yeah so one thing that I haven't hit on, like I've been focusing mostly on soccer, but I did talk about, you know, key points in a school is obviously schooling. So um, I was like the first one of any of my siblings to go to college. So I was unprepared to be doing college visits. My parents were pretty unprepared. So didn't have the necessarily the best ideas in mind on how it all should work or what it should look like. And a lot of it was soccer based and like pretty recruiting heavy. It was just like, I knew that that was going to be a big part of it. And I was like, you know, these colleges, like they're meant to provide an education. So like, they're going to be good at that regardless. So I did overlook that to a degree. So basically I researched like IPFW online and I had visited cause I was just familiar with the campus cause it was local and I'd been there like on high school trips. Um, I regret not doing like an in-depth visit before like fully committing and like seeing what they could offer me as a degree program because that was actually one of the bigger reasons I left like obviously soccer I did want to play but 
I started meeting with my advisor more frequently and online they said that they had pre-physical therapy options but when I got there I quickly realized that like it, it wasn't truly pre-physical therapy it was either I could take a biology degree and apply or I could take a psychology degree and apply and I knew that there were other schools that had like exercise science and I didn't really know what exercise science was at the time coming out of high school um so that kind of limited me like I said just being like that first person to do that like my parents had gone to college but it'd been a while since you know things were different so that was a thing and so that kind of led me into how I would look at other schools because I, I had that experience under my belt at this point I had the recruiting experience I had like the college experience of you know knowing what you need out of a program so that was when I looked around and like I said I knew I still kind of wanted to stay local so there were still some old schools that I had interest in before but Manchester was a great choice for me because it did have exercise science so I knew that that specifically would provide me a very direct route and the most common route to go into PT school and so I made sure that I met with a specific like faculty in the program at that point just to talk through options have you had PT students before what's that look like and they were just really equipped to answer those questions so I knew that that was a good choice and that that academic checkbox or check mark or whatever could be completed so felt comfortable there and then kind of going back to just playing clubs at playing club if it is an option for you and having those means coach Corey I'd known him for a long time he during his time at Manchester traveled to my middle school and was my coach and then ended up being my coach when I was in high school playing club so just very comfortable with him and kind of comfortable with his system and what he was trying to strive for in his program so that was where I knew soccer was going to be a fit as well so I was just more calculated the second time around I knew more of what to look for and took some of the emotion out of it where like you know the d1 offer wasn't like it strikes you and you want to take it right away and you'll kind of overlook things so I think that was the biggest difference of the second time was truly slowing myself down doing the things I should have done the first time you know ignoring level but checking schooling checking what's my playtime going to look like you know what is the coach's philosophy and things like that so yeah, I think that's cool because I, I know people too that I played with in high school or younger even where they like they went to a, a bigger school that they thought they could play at and then there was maybe a coaching change or, you know, they had an academic switch like you talked about and then it's like, okay, well, now this isn't what I had in mind. And, and then they went to a different school and they found success or, I, you know, I even know a couple people who did it the opposite, you know, and they was like, okay, I can move up a level here if I can or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I think it's kind of interesting how it, you know, I think there's a conception sometimes that like you have to do you're going to go to the school and then it's going to like work for you right away. And then like, maybe that's just not like right for some people. So, um, but so like you talked about changing, what did you, or what was like the big switch between D1 and like D3 then in terms of like just time devoted towards soccer and, and just everything around the college experience? Yeah. So I guess that's another thing to consider when you're picking levels. So as a D1 athlete, you have a lot more emphasis on your sport. Obviously, you're still an athlete first, and they most certainly want you to succeed academically because at the end of the day, they know that, you know, you are trying to get a degree and graduate, but it's a lot more of a year-round time commitment, whereas D3, there's a lot of built-in breaks. You are, like, forced time off throughout your off-season, and your spring season is really limited, so 
like D1, you can play on multiple competition days. They probably have, I don't know specifically, but I'd say probably like five to eight competition days where they're playing in the spring. So, and they're training, they can train a lot more. So it's definitely a bigger time commitment. It just kind of depends on what you're looking for. Whereas the D3 level, I mean, obviously you guys are familiar with it, but for those that watch and aren't necessarily as familiar, it's your season's pretty standard. You know, it's going to look like any other college's season where you're training five, six days a week and you have games twice a week. But when your off season hits, I mean, we had like mandatory breaks. And when we got back to spring season, it's you're only training a couple days a week. You only get one competition day. So you try to squeeze in, you know, some combination of two or three games and get a bunch of guys rotated in. So it just kind of depends. I, I found that the level worked for me because being, you know, a student that's trying to strive for a solid GPA, get good extracurriculars in and just be involved. That way I'm a solid applicant for graduate school. It was nice to have some time off, but as a soccer player that is interested in playing as much as possible, it was kind of a bummer at times to not be able to be as involved with the team and things like that. So just always something to consider there as well. You know, do you feel like you're going to have a more labor intensive curriculum or you're going to want to you know go to a level where you might not have as much time commitment in your sport or you know do you feel that you can manage your time pretty well and kind of grind out both of them at the same time so yeah you mentioned academics was a major um influencing factor in in your decision to come to manchester what are, what are the differences in terms of like classes that you noticed from the D1 level to maybe the D3, you know, a bigger school transferring to a smaller school? Yeah. What, what did you like? What didn't you like? Yeah. So obviously like D1 schools naturally just tend to be larger schools. So that's another thing too, like remembering back to my freshman anatomy class at PFW, it was probably... I can't remember exactly, probably around 200 students. Large lecture halls, not the best, you know, relationship with your professors. Things are just, it's just difficult to kind of get those smaller class sizes at such a large university. So, but then coming to Manchester with, you know, small liberal arts school, uh, private education, you just get a lot more consistency for one in professors. Like there are professors that I would have throughout multiple classes smaller course sizes, you know, you just, you see them around and there's less students for them to get to know. So they're gonna, they're gonna know you, they're gonna take an interest in your life as a whole. You know, I had professors that <clears throat> were involved that, you know, they're always asking me about, oh, saw the game last night, like they would come to games or they would ask about the games or, you know, any degree like that where they know you better. So that was a nice touch as well, where you can kind of get help you know if you are going to be traveling obviously at pfw there's students everywhere so they they still work with you they'll let you travel but it was a lot more formal like you had to have all these sheets filled out your professor had to know like within the first week of class like all the dates you were going to miss if you need to reschedule anything obviously it was important to do the same thing at manchester but with it being a professor that you probably have had before or have a pretty good relationship with if you forgot to you know bring it up like oh, hey, forgot we're traveling next Wednesday. We have this assignment due. Is it all right if I get it to you beforehand or after? And so that was a little easier, that communication aspect. And just, I think class size was a big thing and those personal connections with kind of your advisor and your 
faculty in general. And then from like a soccer standpoint, did you um, like what was the big difference you noticed there? Like I, I imagine the speed of play was a lot quicker um, where you were and like maybe athleticism too, just from people just athletic freaks. That, that, those are the first two things that came to my mind that might be a big difference. Yeah, those are definitely probably the two biggest points. I remember talking to Coach Beal about it and he was saying, if you look like at D3, a lot of times you're going to see a kid that's either really athletic or really technical, but a lot of times not both at the level that we played at. And of course there will be. I don't want to take away from our level because there are super talented athletes on our level, kids that most certainly could play Division One soccer. You know, like even within our conference, there have been kids that we had a West Virginia transfer. We had like I transferred. There's kids from other schools that have transferred and so the talent like can be there regardless of the level of play. That's another reason that I would stray people away from thinking about just level. Um, but like I said, sometimes teams are comprised of, you know, they might either be more athletic, but you'll notice that either their touch struggles or their decision-making or spacing and things like that could struggle, or, you know, they are super technical. They read the game. Well, they're just not the best athletes, but at the division one level, it's most certainly you have both, you know, like I think about most of our players, tall, built, fast, read the game super well, super technical. Like they just, they're very complete soccer players just in general. So speed's definitely, speed of play is very fast. Like your expectations are just higher. Like your passing has to be sharper. You have to make the decision quicker. You have to just be more accurate on multiple things. And so, yeah, it's just kind of the natural progression through higher ranks that you would expect. Like you guys have already kind of touched on, people are gonna be more fit. They're gonna be quicker and make better decisions. So yeah, definitely kind of what you mentioned were the biggest things that I noticed as well. And if you want to see town D3 level, I think there was a keeper drafted in like the third round this year from D3 team. I don't remember who, but so, I mean, they're out there. You play Calvin yeah. a couple of times, you'll see, you'll see a lot of, exactly. a lot of talent D3 level. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there are plenty of, of talented players. And I think Division Three often gets a bad rap just because they're the small schools and, you know, the, the pride and joy is always, you know, you want to be that D1 athlete. And I think that's a, a stress put on us at a young age, but there's plenty of, talent at all levels and, and as D2 as well. So Drake, do you remember when you came on your visit-ish to play futsal? Do you remember that night? Yes. You do? That was at Not very well, but yeah. Do you know that that was the night that I came on my visit? Do you know that? No, I don't remember that. You don't. All I remember is I walked into the perk and everybody circled up. And I just hear, yeah, I got to play center back against Michigan State, or was that that was you? Yeah. You wanna you yeah. wanna walk us you wanna walk us through your your debut center back at against Michigan State? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> so we'll just kind of we'll kind of just recap like my playing experience, kind of. So I've always just been a pretty mobile player. So for a long time growing up, I was kind of like a winger where I would kind of just track up and down the outside of the field, kind of whip crosses in, try to be a little creative in the attack for the most part. 
growing into probably more of like a striker role or kind of a withdrawal forward as I got into like high school and things. And I had some other players around me that fit the more of a winger a little bit better. So I was creating a little more through the midfield. When I got to, and that's, a, that's another thing I'll hit on, I guess, too, is just playing at a higher level, there's a chance that you're going to be played in a position that you're not comfortable with. And I was warned of that ahead of time. I had a coach that was like, if you go to a smaller school, you probably have the quality to play as an attacker. But if you go to a bigger school, a lot of times you're going to get converted to like an outside back or a center back. Like you're tall, technical, like fast. And the kids that play as in the attackers in this level are just that much better. And you just have to be so creative and so quick and cheeky in general. So I kind of knew that that might happen. So from the get go, it was like, they tried me mostly outside back and which was nice. I mean, you do get to see the whole field and things, but it came time for preseason games. So regardless of if you are a red shirt or not, you can play in preseason games. And we had, we had a couple of games. It was like, we played against Indiana Tech, which is an NA, local NAI school. And I got to play there. I played left back for a while. Didn't go too bad. I enjoyed it. I was able to actually get up and down the field. I remember I put a shot on frame, was able to kind of work the ball around and felt okay. You know, I was like, this isn't really what I'm used to, but gets me on the field. It was fun. So I enjoyed that. And then a lot of times, so we hosted a tournament. It was uh, called the Shindigs Tournament. It's just a local company that sponsors it. And there's always, like, IU's usually there. Ohio State can be there. Michigan State, uh, Notre Dame, whatever. So they always try to put on, like, a couple of pretty big schools, sell some tickets, you know, get a cool atmosphere in the Fort Wayne area. So pretty big schools. So a lot of times that meant that one of them would end up playing PFW, just kind of give you a chance to play that next level program so the year I was there we got scheduled for Michigan State and I was like oh you know this is gonna be so cool whatever didn't really anticipate playing to be honest with you I just didn't think we would it was pretty close game overall you know I don't know exactly what level Michigan State had out there but certainly you know the guys that I remember marking because I did get out there I looked them up just to see kind of what I was against so Basically, coach calls me over. He's like, how do you feel about playing center back? And I said, imagine you're about to get subbed in against a Big Ten school and you look your coach in the face and you say, I've never done it before, but I will try because that was me. So I just, yeah, I was just like, yeah, like I'll, I'll give it a go. So I get in and then they make another sub in the back line too. So it's like me and another kid just not the most experienced he was like probably a sophomore or junior just wasn't a consistent minutes guy so get in and it's just like we, I don't think we conceded but I specifically remember yeah we held it down in the back for sure but I specifically remember like running we we ran into each other like the two center backs and like I had to get like a wrist x-ray because it like I thought I broke my wrist it was bad but like I said, did not concede. So that's always a positive, but I mean, it's just like, at some point it just becomes any other game. I, I think the nerves before are the biggest thing, but once you get out there, your instinct is like, you know, you're just playing soccer. 
and then you remove yourself again from the situation you're like okay I just played Michigan State so I googled the kid that uh was the forward and he was like a fifth year redshirt senior so just like guy has five years of Big Ten experience and like I'm I graduated high school three months ago so it was intimidating but it was super fun why do you think they like put you out there for that like do you think it was uh just trying to get you on the field or get you minutes in a different spot or like what do you think the yeah so I think in general they know that it's an opportunity to play see all the new guys that are coming in see how they fit into the system and stuff and I think they also want I think they also know the hype around the game they realize that like you want to be in those games so I feel like they just definitely want to give me the opportunity like get in the game you know say you did it see how you perform out there so I think it was both obviously they wanted to see me play they wanted to see you know how I defended because I think that's where they saw me was as a defender so they wanted to see me in that role and then just kind of give me the chance to have fun and experience kind of the offerings of division one soccer so I still appreciate that to this day that I can say that it happened and that I got to do it so did coach Harper know your goalkeeping background and and skills <laughs> between the pipes or no no I maybe should have disclosed that to him I might have gotten some more minutes out there that's what I'm saying we'll have to uh, show your uh, highlight tape that we made yeah. I, I don't know why but for some reason as a as a striker I just always had this want to be on the other side of it always in training and I just had fun diving around and somehow I could convince my high school coach to let me play it in high school every once in a while so I played keeper every once in a while then at Manchester during training I would get in and play some goalie here and there just something different, mix it up, keep practice fun and loose, like the day before a game or something. To beat the keeper, you got to be the keeper, you know? Yeah, exactly. So the mindset. <laughs> but, yeah, we had, like, a six-something German goalie, like, at PFW, so I don't think I was taking them on. It just goes back to that quality. Like, every position is going to have great quality. You never know where these guys are going to be from. We had – I think we had, like, Scotland, New Zealand – Germany, England. I mean, it's just really cool to see where they can kind of recruit guys from. So, yeah, and with with that great quality, I think comes a lot of expectations, like you mentioned earlier. And I think that's something that you brought to Manchester that expectation that we were going to be crisp on the ball and we we're going to pass it. And, and obviously, that didn't happen. Probably like it did at PFW or all the time, like it should have. But I did think that's something that you you carried over, and I think helped us in the long run. Just that expectation of and of of quality all the time, and we're going to play on the ground, and we're going to do the right things. And I, I think that's something that kind of helped our success at, at Manchester. Yeah, I agree. Just like always, putting yourself in the best situation possible to push yourself, because I know I've mentioned like trying to play club before, but also trying to play club at the highest level that you can. I mean, it's a huge commitment in terms of time, money, so understand it's not for everybody and I was just very fortunate my parents were willing to pay for it and travel with me and do all those things to support me through that so like I said I know it's not for everyone but just continuing to climb that rank as a younger player helps you in college as well because the expectation is going to be that you're crisp on the ball is going to be that you play quickly and the higher level that you can get in club where those expectations are higher and they're placed on you the more prepared that you're going to be as well so it just kind of all translates 
So looking back at your time on Manchester, is there one memory that kind of sticks out that you're extremely fond of or a couple, anything you got to share with us? Probably have a couple. I don't know if you want me to narrow it down or give you a few, but go for it. Um, so obviously you guys are aware of our conference. We've got definitely a couple of schools that are, I'd say more of like a kind of like a powerhouse type thing where every year they're going to be picked to finish in the top. Uh, you know that they're going to be there and they kind of get those top recruits and things like that. So we'd never been in Transylvania before throughout the history of the program, which was kind of sad, honestly. So when I got there, you know, Corey had been very diligent in recruiting, made sure that we had quality players on the field. And we were finally to the point where we were kind of competing in the conference and consistently, you know, by the end of your guys's time, my time, we were consistently picked to be a conference tournament team. So proud of that, but to go and hone in more on like the specific moment was beating Transy because we had lost a game we shouldn't have lost to Anderson and needed a big win. And in overtime, Alex pinged the ball at me, brought it down back to goal, somehow turned, played Gonzo in, lucky deflection, goes in crazy moment we beat transy we get ourselves back into where we need to be to make the conference tournament first time in history we beat them so that was a big moment just because i think it i mean obviously at the at the point of the time it's like you know you win the game you you do something good that we haven't done before but it also it's kind of the turning point that any given day we can go toe-to-toe with those programs that you know are consistently picked to be above us so that was one and then another overtime win against a team that we maybe shouldn't have beaten, but so we play Rose at home. We score twice. I think we're up 2-0. Yeah, so we're up 2-0. We lose our 2-0 lead, unfortunately. Uh, just Consecutive free kicks. Yeah, so we, we just, I mean, it just lapses. It's, it, it's just a team that you have to be switched on at all times. You know, it's, that's the quality of those teams, and that's why they are consistently picked to be in the top, so. We give up two two goals going to overtime, again needing a win. Like this is the year that we lose to Defiance when we probably shouldn't have. Again, you know we're fighting for that fourth place spot to be in the tournament. Someone gets fouled. I don't remember if it was me or not. We're you know outside the 18, a little bit on the right side of the goal. I have never in college made a free kick goal. Step up over the ball, somehow put it in and we win that game too. So just being like involved in goal contributions of winning a big game like that when we really need it, those were special moments for me. Um, And like I said, it's not just like the individual, you know, it was cool. It was awesome. It was fun running over celebrating with the fans and the team and stuff. But then of the day, I think it was kind of just, like I said, we, it was seeing the hard work of trying to transform the program, get them back to, you know, we, we had had some good years at Manchester in the past, so kind of getting to that and seeing all the work pay off. And then last last memory, definitely senior day goal. Uh, so played Earlham on senior day, and it was again to the point where, like, we needed to win. We, we had had the fourth place spot secured, but if we lost, you know, there were some chances that could have happened around the conference that could have saw us out of the tournament, but we needed to win. And 
being the player I am, um, I was, you know, on the verge of yellow card trouble. So I wanted to celebrate if I did score in a memorable way. So we kind of devised a plan in the locker room of how we wanted to do that and decided on putting the ball under my shirt and laying down and birthing it like a child. So I was fortunate enough to score on senior day last, you know, last time playing at good field. So decided to just send it, uh, pulled it off with the help of Matthew and Nash. And I think Sammy came in to support me as well. So birth the child, the ref came out to me and he was just like, you know, I got to give you a yell for that. Right. And I said, yeah, I understand. He was like, if you wouldn't use the ball, you know, it probably would have been fine. But so I immediately get subbed off. Corey is very unhappy because he thought that I had four. He thought that was my fifth, which meant that I would sit out a tournament game. But I did know that I had one to spare. Kind of took the risk of getting a red. I don't think that that's likely, but obviously it could have happened. Corey was, like I said, a little upset. But at the end of the day, I have the video of it. I still love watching. It's hilarious. You know, it's a memory that I'll never forget. So glad I did it. Absolutely. Definitely worth the yellow card. Yeah, 100%. If you had mentioned that, I definitely would have mentioned that memory for you. So I would have. Oh, yeah, it's, it's just, you can't forget it. It's still my pinned tweet on Twitter. I like to, you know, get people to see it when they come in. I pinned it like I've never pinned a tweet before, and I pinned that one. So now it's just still there, and I'm just like, eh, it seems like a good one to keep up there, so people see it when they when they first find me on Twitter. Well, Drake, thanks for joining us on the pod. We appreciate you taking time out of your uh, busy schedule. Yeah, happy to. Hey guys, thanks for joining us for this episode. As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4-0 ball game. Um, don't forget, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow, and comment down below. Thanks, guys. Boom. They mentioned his left tag, I forgot.